Start scrolling for October 30th, 2018. I'm Steve Fodor. And I'm ghoulish Chip Hassenfly. <laughs> maniacal laugh. Maniacal laugh. We're just a couple of ghouls sitting around talking about things that are important to us. Hopefully they're important to you. And if you need more information, there's so many great ways to find more information. Here we are, Chip. We've made it. It is Halloween Eve or... All, all Hallows all Eve. All Hallows Eve. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. This is my favorite time of year. This is a lot of fun. The leaves, by the way, the trees, the leaves have like just like dumped themselves. Uh, yeah. And so that means uh, we have to clean that up because uh, trick-or-treaters will be here tomorrow, Steve. That's right. Film at 11. Brings us to our film at 11, our movie of the week. Speaking of Halloween and some of the treats that we have available to us, you and I both got a chance to see The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. This was dropped on Netflix on Friday. And this was fun. Uh-huh. This is a lot, a lot of fun, my it, friend. This is this is what television can do for us in 2018. This is a story based on a comic book that they really made this story come to life on Netflix. All right, so Sabrina the Teenage Witch has been around since, I guess, the 60s. Mm-hmm. But there was a a new version of, where they re-explored this, under the Archie Hara um, imprint. Mm-hmm. And they explored it just a few years ago in a more of an adult theme. And this seems to be sort of that 50-ish inspired That's right. comic of it, today. It, this takes place in the 1950s of 2018, which is such a strange concept. All the cars are 1950s. All the sensibilities are 2018 sensibilities. And yeah, that's right. They basically took um, sort of an idealized. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the races are mixed, and right. and uh, it's it's much more of a. Um, well, they play a lot around with religion in this, Steve. Right. And all those scary things that I remember, like you you learn or you, in your mind as a kid from going to church and all that other fun stuff well it's just right there in front of you right there that was my favorite part about this is this is a great look at what religion can do both positively and negatively the idea of faith and hope and belief can be very very powerful both in a positive way and in a very negative debilitating sort of way and they cast this incredibly well Uh Steve Beautiful people doing beautiful things. It's like a CW show. And they've already <laughs> they've already said that there's going to be a season two. Uh-huh. So my hope is that it comes out before Halloween next year because this was really perfect for this time of year. I couldn't imagine this being even better some other time of year. The week before Halloween was the absolute perfect time to drop this show. My wife and I watched all 10 hours of this before we went to bed Sunday night. So I'll let you know I have not seen all of Oh my goodness. This is intriguing, wonderful television. This is something that everybody should go watch. Not only because Michelle Gomez is in it. (laughs) But I'll, I'll tell you. Every moment that Michelle Gomez was on screen, I was enthralled by her performance in this. What I also want to mention is who this is aimed at, Steve. Mm -hmm. All right, so if we think of like Disney's Halloween Town from when my kids were really young, Mm -hmm. uh, certainly very innocent, um, 
you know, and, and for the, for for a uh, I guess a six, seven, eight year old, maybe kind of a, kind of a little spooky. Sure. Okay. And then there's obviously there's horror films, and you know you can pick your genre out for that stuff. Mm-hmm. This is sort of that tweener no stage. No kidding. This is a little playful, but certainly, I mean, certainly, it takes a lot of the the. Um, the things that could play in your mind. All I can say is just you know, plays in your headspace, Steve. There's a lot of background that you need to to know what's happening in this. The literary references in this were spectacular. The wife and I, who both have degrees in English, were beside ourselves with the naming conventions of all these characters and all of the literary references a teenager could certainly enjoy this on one level and then us we enjoyed it on a different level because we understood so much of the background of what they were talking about recommended on netflix yep i i recommend this highly uh don't think of her as missy she's she's not the master from doctor who but uh close enough all right steve you got to go to the theater this week you got to see halloween yes the 40th anniversary of the original john carpenter halloween from 1978 they made another movie the 11th halloween movie i tell you chip i walked into this one with very low expectations and i was surprised at how good this movie is so jamie lee curtis is a lot of fun Mm mm-hmm and we've got the gentleman who is our director. He was given some uh, sort of sort of some uh, direction from the the, the original uh, director of uh, the Halloween film, John Carpenter. John Carpenter had a meeting with Danny McBride. Yes, that Danny McBride, the guy from Eastbound and Down, known mostly for comedy. He wrote. Halloween. He did. Yes, he and two other guys, but he is he is really well known as the writer of this movie. John Carpenter had a meeting with him and John Carpenter told Danny McBride, "Keep it simple." That is the best advice that he could give on this. This is the story of a relentless monster who's coming after you and you can't stop him he's going to keep coming no matter what you do and that's all stop right there don't do anything crazy on top of that basic don't overthink that that concept don't overthink it all right so tell us there are some echoes from the original halloween film tell us a little bit about how they played out so many things i wish that i had watched the original like a day before i went to go see this movie there are so many scenes in here where they are paying direct homage to the original 1978 version and they are doing very similar cinematic shots of movie where something is very familiar because it looks like something from 1978 and then they switch it to something that is 40 years later. For instance, there's a scene where the main actress is in school. She looks out the window. In 1978, she saw Michael Myers standing across the street. This movie does the exact same thing, but when she looks out the window, she sees Jamie Lee Curtis standing there instead. It is cinematically beautiful it's reminiscent of that era Mm -hmm. and and well done i enjoyed this movie very much i don't like horror movies in general Mm -hmm. but i do admire filmmaking and this is a film 
All right, so Steve, you also got to go see a Fathom event this week. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, we talked about this last week. It is the 200th anniversary of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and there's <laughs> there's lots of different versions of Frankenstein out there. I got a chance to see the Fathom event version of the National Theater stage play of Frankenstein. This featured Benedict Dr. Cumberbatch. Dr. Strange. Uh-huh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Sherlock Holmes, as the creature in this one and boy did they go into depth about what the creature was thinking from the perspective of the creature the story of frankenstein is a very different story than from the perspective of the doctor who's making the creature so tell us a little bit about the approach they use to to tell a story mm -hmm. um beyond that that, this that is, insight you might know the story of Frankenstein is the story of science. One of it is the mm -hmm. first science fiction novel, and the story of creation, the idea of how we make people. And and for those of you who don't know, they are born in a cabbage patch, and then the stork brings. Of course they did. <laughs> Steve, was this based on the book or was this based on the movie? This is because definitely... these are these are definitely different two stories. Absolutely, two very different stories. This is definitely based on Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and the book the book and absolutely it has very little to do with that 1931 frankenstein movie that we think of when we think uh. of frankenstein the voice was removed from the creature when they made that 1931 because boris karloff couldn't move his mouth the same way so the voice was taken away from the creature in a way that made the story about the doctor, not the creature. This stage play gives that voice back. This story features the creature way more often than the creator of this. And the story about who we are and how we can find ourselves, no matter where we come from, is a story that is very 2018 in a lot of ways. So would you recommend uh, seeing this? This was actually recorded this live is. in 2011. Yeah, this is seven years ago that this was recorded. I don't know that anybody's going to be able to find this. I don't know how you can access Fathom events other than going to the theater on mm -hmm. that day when they decide that they're going to show this in your local movie theater. All right. Steve, you also got to do a little celebration. I mean, it is Halloween week. It Tell is. us a little bit about what you saw. My annual viewing of the Rocky Horror Picture Show occurred once again as usual this week. I I love watching this. I, it brings back so many great memories of my high school years with my theater troupe. We got together and we loved the campy, silly musical that is the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I think that probably the, the, the viewing it with friends is probably... I, I don't think this musical is a great musical. Mm -hmm. I do think that the repeated viewing and because of having this group of people around you seeing it and having all these things you get to do it is the memories of those people yes that is the thing that that brings me back to it year in and year out yes the best man at my wedding took a piece of toast out of her jacket and threw it into the audience during the toast because that's a thing that we do because of rocky horror picture show <laughs> <laughs> well I, you, you I just to let you know as you were doing this i got to see well the first scene opening scene yeah. of 
Well, I always do the Broadway show because there's always the bootlegs of that. There's so many great versions. That shut down because of 9-11, if you remember. Right. And then, of course, uh, Fox did their version last uh, year. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, Ivy. I can't remember her last name. But anyway, that was a wonderful beginning to it. That wonderful part is there's different versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but depending on who the, who the director is. Yeah. So anyway, we have the, the movie version, and then you also have, Steve, the Glee version. My almost annual viewing of the Rocky Horror Glee show. That is an episode of Glee that happened in 2010, and I love watching this hour-long version of my childhood, my high school life, when we were such a tight group of people and we loved the Rocky Horror Picture Show so much that we wanted to share it with everybody, and not everybody got it the well, same they didn't, way. Especially when you're, you're young and mm-hmm. you feel like you're impressionable and, and everything has a, um, well, you know, obviously there's gay themes in it and, mm-hmm. and a number of things. There's that, so many adult themes in there. That a lot of people have a, a very difficult time with when they're, they're very young. Uh-huh. And, uh, we'll, we'll and it might be inappropriate. And that's the story sure, sure. of the Glee episode, is the, the troupe there wants to put on the show. They want to share it with everyone, and they are not sure that it's the right thing to do. Is it appropriate to share this at the high school level? And they, they decide at the end that uh, it's theirs. It's, it's private. They can't share it with everyone. Well, there you it's go. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. I love watching that. I, I love watching these thematic Halloween things, these experiences, these memories that are on tape. I I love it. You got to see a good movie. (laughs) You got to see The Shape of Water, the Oscar winner from 2017. Exactly. It started General Zod, uh, Steve. (laughs) I don't know. He came back from the dead to do this? Yes. They fixed his spine again. That's right. They did the best they could. Of course, he lost a couple fingers in this movie. Uh And and of course, the creature from the Black Lagoon from a long, long time ago. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have been wondering what he's been up to. But anyway, he got to star in this too. Did you ever see the sequel where they put him in a suit and had him walk around? No. Yeah, that's a thing. That that happened. That (laughs) happened in the black and white film era. I, I watched this movie... I stopped watching it. I gave up on this movie. I did not like this movie at all. Tell me why you love this movie. Well, this movie has style, Steve. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. The use of color, the use of the sets, the use of design of the creature. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just sort of the, the, the cadence of it. I mean, this is obviously, this is sort of an, almost an art film, uh, the way yes. they kind of put, put it together. <laughs> there's some there's some uh, talk that there was Hellboy uh, connection to it. Mm. Um but anyway, I, I absolutely uh, like this. I, I saw Pan's Labyrinth. Uh-huh. Um, I like this director. So director Guillermo del Toro certainly has a style that is his and his alone. Exactly. Almost, you know, you, you look at different directors. If you uh-huh. saw a Spielberg thing, you go, oh, that's Spielberg. Right. If you saw Tim Burton, you go, oh, yeah, it's uh, Tim Burton. Yeah, because there's, there's sandworms in it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, this one definitely, definitely has its artistic uh, view to so it. so weird. It is a weird it's film. It's bizarre. I, I, I gave up on it halfway through. I was like, I don't I don't need to see the fish thing. I did. And in fact, <laughs> if you want to see the love between uh, a lady and um, the a creature trout. of the bachelor. <laughs> there you go. You've got yourself a film, Steve. <laughs> 
Get Guillermo del Toro. We can make it. You also got to see my dinner with Herve. We, we talked about this the other day. The uh, only reason I watched this, Steve, <laughs> is because you watched it and you said I liked it. I liked it very much. Tell me tell me how much you like this movie, Chip. Steve, it reminds me of going to Vegas and there's a sad underbelly in Vegas. Uh, yeah. And Herve was part of that sad underbelly. Did you at least enjoy the Ricardo Montalban scenes where where yes. he was just such a gentleman at every moment he's like listen in fact that was i think the um uh the the gentleman who who represented herve mm-hmm. who kept saying this is like a once in a lifetime type job mm-hmm. stop being such a jerk go do it yeah and then of course the soul crushing parts like he's got to show up and he's going to go to do the dunkin donuts commercial oh, and he shows geez. up at the auto um uh you know event for uh-huh. all the dealers and you know he's got to be the character and, yeah. and you know that character's not him, who he is really right. but it gets stuck in it i i loved my dinner with herve the herve villachez movie i i do suggest that you read a lot about it before you watch it and get a lot of background it's a real story made into a, an interesting adventure there you go <laughs> Opening this week, there's a real story made into an interesting adventure. This is Bohemian Rhapsody, the story of Queen. The, the story of Queen and Freddie Mercury, man, mm-hmm. the lead singer of Queen. Um, this um, look has a lot of hype to it. I am excited about this film. The trailer looks wonderful. Every time the trailer comes up, everybody in the room says, wow, I want to see that movie. And of course they do. Mm-hmm. Because you know he's got a very distinctive voice. There's a very distinctive sound to Queen. And uh, it sounds like the, the actor certainly has um, done a good job. And if you're following our Twitter feed or our mm-hmm. Facebook feed, I uh, showed you uh, I, a, a clip of the gentleman who is the voice of Freddie Mercury. In this movie. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. There's never been a person who sounds more like Freddie Mercury than wow. this gentleman. And, in fact, there was an interview I watched um, this, this gentleman uh, make, and his statement was, well, he goes, my, my skull and, you know, everything in my skull is like must be shaped like this guy because right, he's got the, the same, same sound. The same residence. Wow. Oh, good stuff. I anyway, look forward to that one. This is a lot of hype. My kids want to see it. What can I say? Yeah, my kids too. The next one my kids don't really want to see. It's called Disney's The Nutcracker and the Four Realms. Well, Steve, I have two young children. Girls. Girls. Uh-huh. Um, between the Joffrey Ballet, um, we got to see recordings of the San Francisco Ballet. We got to like perform in it and go see every friend in the world performing the Nutcracker. Steve, I think I've seen the Nutcracker yeah. enough. I don't think I need to see the Nutcracker or Christmas Carol ever again. Okay. But Disney has put together. Disney. Here's here's fact, Disney's version for fact, you. Disney's got both versions, don't they? They have the Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey. Uh huh. And now they have the Nutcracker, Steve. This um, has a great cast mm-hmm. in it. It's got Morgan Freeman, the voice of God. Right. It's got Kira Knightley. Beautiful visuals in the trailer. I look forward to seeing some of those pictures later. And, you know, I guess we're going to learn what the four realms are, Steve. <laughs> the four realms. I, I, I have to figure out what the four realms are. Is it like 3D, but they throw stuff at you? I don't know, Steve. All I can say <laughs> is uh, I'm sure this will be very capable. Yep. I'm sure there will be a lot of young girls who would be, enjoy this. might be the definitive one. Well, yeah, Disney, Disney has become the definitive. Mm-hmm. Act, you know, it's like, oh, all right. So that's the definitive Snow White, even mm-hmm. though it may not be the real Snow White that's story. Right. All I can say is this will probably be pretty good. Yep. 
There is a movie called Nobody's Fool. This is a Tyler Perry film. Uh, Tiffany Haddish plays a young lady whose sister is released from prison and uh, hilarity ensues. Well, while I will not seek this out, mm-hmm. this actually looks pretty good. I say that about just about every Tyler Perry trailer. I think he makes some great films with some great ideas. Oh, well, there you go. We have a young lady who... Um, uh, is kind of, sort of making it in business, mm-hmm. and her sister comes to visit who just got out of prison, and we got a story. It's not Country Mouse and City Mouse at all. Oh, there you go. <laughs> There's a movie called Bodied. This is the story of a graduate student who uh, does a rap battle. So you got that. There you go. We got a rap battle going on. I think this is produced by Eminem. Oh, yes, it is. All right. So what we have is, you know, two people standing up and uh, going at each other with their rap stuff. Yes. The kids will enjoy it there, Steve. Yes. There we go. Have fun. (laughs) There you go. There is a movie called Boy Erased. This is Nicole Kidman and Russell Crowe talking about a very sensitive subject, the idea of churches uh, deprogramming people who feel that they are homosexual and the church disagreeing with them. Well, you know, Freddie Mercury um, in our Bohemian mm-hmm. Rhapsody uh, certainly was not a very private person, but, you know, he was a gay person. He did die from HIV. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you think of uh, George Michael who also sang with Queen uh, after Freddie Mercury's death, the challenges he had, I mean, coming to terms with his sexuality and ultimately his his young death. I mean, Mm -hmm. basically, he couldn't become close to people. This is a story about um, young men who who very early in life recognize that they are gay or Mm -hmm. they're homosexual. And the challenges that they go through, I mean, think about coming to terms with that. Mm -hmm. Now throw on like a religious element about, oh, you're you're bad, you're wrong. And we can fix you. Oh, my goodness. And we're going to send you to an area that's going to de-gay you. Mm -hmm. Well, all I can say is this is an interesting exploration of that uh, situation. They've got a great cast. Russell Crowe obviously put on a lot of pounds to put this on. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen that. And, of course, we've got Nicole Kidman. But really the story is about being at that and, and kind of coming to terms with who you are. Yep. And, um, you know, how sad that mm-hmm. you struggle with being who you naturally are. I, I, I think this is a very interesting uh, exploration of that subject. Mm-hmm. There is a documentary called Maria by Callis. She, she was a Greek-American opera singer, and this is the story of her life. Steve, she's a diva baby. Uh-huh. And this is a story about even if you are the greatest diva in the world, you can become just too much to handle, and it's better to let you go. There are moments where you, you might be uh, not nice to people enough, and those people might not want to work with you again. Well, there you go. Uh-huh. All I can think of is Whitney Houston being um, kicked off the program, and they bring in Faith Hill. And Faith yeah. Hill certainly doesn't have the voice of Whitney Houston, but they said, you know what? This is a lot Close easier enough. to deal with. <laughs> Yep. There's a movie called A Private War. This is the story of Marie Colvin, who was a fearless, rebellious, uh, frontline correspondent. Now, when I see the, the trailer for this, all I can think of is Adrenaline Junkies. Mm-hmm. You think of Tina Fey and uh, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Yeah. You think of Hondros, the film that came out just a, a little while ago about the photographer who passed away. Um, this is about a, a person who just is a, it just feels like I have to go to war to cover it. Mm-hmm. There's, there's something I have to do. 
And what you're doing is, the whole time you're watching the trailer, is you're wondering, are they really bringing information back to the public? Or is it, do they just, they, they desire this type of uh, danger? I mean, their body just could crave it. Yeah. So anyway, that's that story right there. Yep, it looks like a very interesting film. There is a documentary called In Search of Greatness. This is a, a really interesting study into what it takes to be a great athlete. They interview some of the greatest athletes in, of our time and, and try to find out what it takes to be that guy or, or that girl. Our notes, we have MoviePass has invested in this. Yeah. Well, that's one thing that MoviePass has done pretty well. <laughs> I mean, right now when you go to MoviePass... Let's, let's list all the things MoviePass has done well this week. Well, the one movie I can see on this day... <laughs> oh, my God. It's been its struggle, hasn't it? Oh. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't go to that many, um, but I could use this to like, go to a movie. Yeah, the occasions but, when we actually go to a like, movie. But you can see this one at this time. Yeah. Oh, how wonderful for us. <laughs> movie, movie pass. Thank you, Movie Pass. Well, Remember how high we were on Movie Pass like three months ago? And now we're like, oh, good They great. don't have any money left. The, if you have interest in uh some more interesting time travel stories steve is there like like some doctor who uh, fan fiction we could watch yes outlander season four is coming to stars on sunday i will be paying my my money to stars for my wife to see outlander she loved these books and loves this series no this does this come out weekly or do yes. they release the whole season this is weekly this is this is like tv kind of viewing what's this tv stuff steve <laughs> like Netflix. If, I, if Sabrina comes out, I want to see them all. <laughs> Absolutely. You got that right. This is a great series. I do recommend it. It is very adult. Uh, my wife really enjoys... Adult situation, uh, Steve? Yes, she really enjoys this show, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> book it, book it, book it. Book it, book it, book it. Book it. Brings us to our book at our book of the week. Remember a couple weeks ago, we told you that our read together for Halloween is Stephen King's Needful Things from 1991, and here we are. This is All Hallows Read, Steve. Uh-huh. The, the event that was established a few years ago that basically passed along a horror book mm -hmm. to a friend. And uh, anyway, we're so glad that we have uh, our listeners joining us to read this. That's right. Laura left us a voicemail on our voice line, 805 4104TMS, and she explained all of her joy in reading Needful Things along with us. Hey guys, it's Laura, just calling to tell you how much I love Too Much Scrolling, and that I've been listening for about a year and a half, and you guys always make me laugh, and I learn a lot of new things. Just calling to tell you that I did the read-along, and last year's All Hallows Read with Frankenstein was my favorite one. Uh, I just finished reading this month's book, Needful Things, which was my first Stephen King book. It was exciting and entertaining, and I had fun getting to know all the characters and learning what was important to each person. And I especially liked how you could hear all the characters' thoughts as well as what they said to each other. All the 80s references remind me, reminded me of all the things I had in my house when I was younger. And spoiler alert, my two favorite characters were Alan and Polly, so I was glad when they made it through all the destruction at the end of the book. Thanks again for picking out great books for us to read. I can't wait for the next one, and I know it takes a lot of time, dedication, organization, and talent to put on a show like this each week, and I really appreciate it. I'll see you in the future. 
How wonderful. And we want to thank her for doing that. Mm-hmm. The other notes that we got, how wonderful. Thank you for, for sending those in, too. Mm-hmm. But, Steve, it's time to break it down. Okay. this We're going to go spoilers on this. So so please, if you have not read Needful Things along with us or haven't seen the movie, uh, you might want to skip ahead about eh, 10 minutes right now because this is a Stephen King novel that I need to talk about. So I had a friend of mine who encouraged me to watch Needful Things, the movie. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, she said, Said, hey, listen, um, hey, you got some of the story, sure. but you didn't get all the background. The book is so much better. Mm-hmm. So be- based, based on that, we bring out this massive, massive <laughs> book. Stephen <laughs> King certainly has a lot of wind in his uh, voice. I think that he invests in trees somewhere because, boy, his books are so huge. And, yes, you're right. Uh, the, the long-windedness of some of Stephen King's sentences were a little bit perturbing in this but i did not hate this i like this book it is not my favorite stephen king novel but i I would put it in my top uh 15 (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) that's endorsement that we'll have to take to the bank now laura said that this was her first stephen king book you this has been your second or third this is second or third i can't remember i know i read uh 11 22 63 i love that i did too that was was a thick book Full of all sorts of situations, but you didn't mind that nearly as much. No, and that's uh, and it w- led me to the strength of tackling this book. Mm-hmm. Once again, it's a long book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, you are dedicating some 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 time to do it. There is a little bit of repetition in this book. Do not do not. <laughs> uh, this book could have used a little bit of editing, but you know what, Stephen King, and I'm sure they were like, yeah, we can work with it. And there's so many references to 1991 in this book. This book is all about small town America in 1991. He makes, I believe, four different references to Twin Peaks because this book is certainly in that same sort of small town, a small town sheriff in the body here of Alan Pangborn, who we know from Castle Rock, the series on Hulu. That's right, Steve. It's a real cracker there in Castle rock main yes you've got the main the whole main impression i don't think that's a good main impression but but i did my best you know steve Steve, i'm wearing my ll beam i've got my duck boots on and we're going to go have some chatter very very small town in maine is is the setting for this and there's no doubt about that it is very clear that storytelling with a small town is different from the city of chicago or new york city now if you watch the hulu um story on castle rock mm-hmm. this would probably be a good place to jump uh yeah. you know back and kind of learn a little bit more about it yeah the, the premise of this book is real simple it was a um it's a small town mm-hmm. and there's a gentleman who mm-hmm. shows up and he's going to open up a store and he has everything you need the store anything the store is named needful things Mm -hmm. and um, you go into needful things and uh, steve they just happen to have everything you would want Uh uh-huh and it's all very inexpensive they're they're exchanging very little money for these things but there's always a catch there's a there's a Faust kind of a thing here. Leland Gaunt is kind of a devilish sort of character. We don't know that initially. He's just a, 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 a person in a shop. Uh-huh. Okay. And he's going to, uh, Steve, uh, he shows up and you know you get the baseball card that you've always wanted. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, it has your name on it's it. It's autographed to you. No, uh-huh. it may not have been to you, but uh-huh. it could be somebody with your same name. And how amazing this is. And you know what? 
You've got 91 cents in your pocket? Mm-hmm. It costs 85 cents, Steve. Mm-hmm. But if you could also do this favor for me when you get it. Just this little favor that I need you to do, this little prank. Well, the deal was, and in fact, we had a conversation on this. We were kind of hashing this out. Mm-hmm. He calls them pranks. And in fact, throughout yeah. the entire book, it's referred to as pranks. But there's a little bit more to there's these. There's a little bit more malice to this than a prank. When when the one kid, and again, spoilers, kills the dog, I was like, ew, that is not a prank. That's, That's, that is illegal. Yeah, yeah. So, so the idea, and the whole purpose of this is that these pranks mm-hmm. kind of take this town and they escalate things. And all of a sudden, there's all sorts of things going on. To the point where almost everybody dies at the hand of each other. Leland Gaunt is not the one who is killing anyone, but he is the puppet master who is pulling all the strings on all these people who all owe him just a tiny little bit. And and just thinking about how you just described that, you just recognize the the, the challenges of living in an area Mm -hmm. and everybody kind of knowing a little bit about Mm -hmm. each other. And then knowing how to needle each other and then, you know, ratchet each other. Instead of carrying each other, you're ripping each other apart. And this was a caring town. These were people who did care for each other. And then uh, the the right buttons were pushed and they turned on each other so quickly in Stephen King terms of quickly. I'm talking about hundreds of pages. All right. So let's get back to Stephen King real quick as he was writing this. He had just gotten out of rehab, it sounds mm-hmm. like. So this has a little bit different uh, darkness than the darkness in some of the other writings he had. Yes. Some of my favorite Stephen King novels are in those dark times in Stephen King's life himself. He had such darkness. S- Steve loved his suffering, Steve. <laughs> I, he he was able to put on the page what mental illness looked like, what suffering looked like, what alcoholism looked like. And we're talking about the writer here. We're talking about the writer. Correct. He was able to put those things down on paper, and I enjoy the terror that is the reality of a book like The Shining. Mm-hmm. The mental health issues in the Shining uh, are, are really palpable. Not so much in this. You could see that his darkness doesn't quite reach the darkness of this book. Sort of a divorce of that, like, that's them and that's not me as a writer. Maybe. Yeah, a little mm-hmm. bit of that. He also was making a commentary. This is mm-hmm. definitely at the height of yuppie phase. I mean, yeah. dinks, double income, no, no uh, kids type of uh, time. And for our, our young whippersnappers who don't <laughs> remember that time, this is sort of the Gordon Gecko time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a movie called Wall Street. <laughs> Um, where he, he announces that greed is good mm-hmm. and then goes on to um, you know, sort of that that scene is sort of the uh, the epitome of maybe the excess. Mm-hmm. This is the BMW group with the uh, with the uh, six thousand uh, dollar suits who live in the outlandish um, uh, houses and, and this is sort of the beginning of sort of, Moving our this division of maybe middle America to this um, this this perceived wealthiness um, that that gets kind of a uh, you know kind of addressed someplace. You know, this is a very interesting take on it. So he basically was talking about that our um, desire, our what we really need and what we want, and just sort of how that kind of could play into something. If I could give you what you want. 
you know, is it really what you want? Mm-hmm. And what are you willing to pay for that, Steve? Uh-huh. That's, that is the overriding theme of this story, and, and it does really well with that. I, I really understand from his perspective, greed is not good. Greed is evil in this small town where you can have whatever you want. All you have to do is is do these small little things that eventually lead to so many dead bodies in this town. All right, so let's go ahead and wrap this up because the, the ending was like, I don't think you could get a better <laughs> ending, Steve. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. if you could like, uh, you know, if you could just like grab a carriage and like uh, race out of town, <sighs> I, maybe like with a big top hat, maybe dressed as like uh, I, I, I pictured him dressed as like Abraham Lincoln, yes, with like a monocle, mm-hmm. yeah, sort of a mixture of like the ghoul. guy from Monopoly. Uh. <laughs> oh, Stephen King is notorious for bad endings, and Needful Things is one of those. I actually said out loud to my wife while I was reading this, and I was at the pinnacle, the climax of the story. I said out loud, "I don't know if I want to read the rest because I know it's not going to end well. I know." that the ending is is not good <laughs> and while the movie certainly was just uh-huh. based of its time yeah it would be a good way of, the ending of the movie i felt was much better where you just kind of <laughs> went up in a uh, you know smoke yeah but um the More idea supernatural well you've got this uh this idea that all of a sudden uh there's a uh he shows up at a, another city in iowa mm-hmm. and opens up prayers answered and yeah. all of a sudden, it begins again. So the the idea that... Right here in River City. <laughs> it's kind of Music Man sort of a thing that's exactly. going on. <laughs> what I, I can definitely say is, it's hard to say that, that um, our, our, our evil guy, our devil, mm-hmm. didn't win this. Right. I mean, he basically got what he wanted out that's of right. this. Um, Castle Rock was in chaos. Uh-huh. And and all it had to do was giving you what you want, Steve. That's, that's all. That's all it takes for evil to get its ways for you to get what you want. <laughs> I did listen to the audiobook of this. The nice part about the audiobook was it was actually read by Stephen King himself with his main accent. So I got the flavor of the voice of this through that really well. You did. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. So so you're, you're saying that Stephen King's <laughs> voice is like Neil. Gaiman's voice. Yes. Stephen King certainly is one of the the top authors that we have right now. Neil Gaiman is right there on that list. But I'm thinking about the reading voice. Oh yeah. Oh sure. I would I would listen to Stephen King read Stephen King any day. I would too. I yeah. think that he's got a, a, an interesting voice. Neil Gaiman's got a better one though. Yeah. Neil Gaiman can like, and I'm going to read this, and you're like all right, All just right. keep reading. Just keep. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so you definitely had like the main accent yeah. to you. You had your duck boots on, Steve. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I, of course I did. This this is a good book. I, I do look forward to the new Stephen King novel that just came out this week called Elevation, which is apparently about a person who becomes shorter. And that's all I know about it from the blurb that I read. I look forward to reading that one. Well, Steve, this was the last, uh, this, this book was the last Castle Rock book. So, I mean, obviously. Uh, Elevation takes place in Castle Rock. <laughs> So, are you telling me this book came, that came out in 1991? He changed his mind. <laughs> that that it wasn't the last Castle Rock no, story. It no. said it on the cover. I know, I know. At the time, it was the last Castle Rock story. But uh, welcome to 2018, <laughs> Steve. It's all about uh, sequels at this point. Uh, yes, yes, it is. This is this is a good book. I, I'm glad that everybody read it along with us. Thank you to everybody who joined us in this, and thank you to Laura for sharing your thoughts. 
And and what we'll do is we'll see if we can put together another book to read before the end of the year too. Yeah. Thank you so much for participating in our homework assignments. There you go. And uh, we'll find another fun read. There you go. Scroll with it. I just want to mention this. I don't know if it really fits into our Halloween theme, but there is a new functionality to Google Chrome. Most of us are using Google Docs nowadays instead of Word or Excel or PowerPoint from Microsoft. Well, if you're in our school district, all the kids are learning yeah, it. Because we've so got the Chromebooks. If you are using Microsoft Office, mm-hmm. that means you probably work, you're an old person yeah. and you work in an office or something. I don't even know how many offices are still using it, but most of us have switched over. We use Google Docs here for this podcast that we make we use that daily to communicate with each other in fact what we learned is even the television shows that we've interviewed Mm -hmm. and some of the authors it's hard it's unbelievable that yeah i mean this is basically free word processing right i'm sorry you're just giving your soul steve it's everything you want (laughs) it's everything you want you just have to sell your soul to google Uh i see where we're at now exactly the good news is that google has given us one more present on google docs this week now if you go to google chrome and in the address bar type doc dot new it automatically opens a new blank google doc for you but they have a whole bunch of other ones you could use the same way tell us about them there's so many synonyms you can use just about any combination of that sort of idea doc document google doc you can also use sheets to make a new google sheets document you can use presentation.new to make a new Google Slides presentation. You can use slides.new. They've bought just about every combination that you can think of, and .new opens up a new document for you. Well, there you go. Isn't that cool? Google Docs keeps giving. It's like magic. <laughs> this is so and, needful thing. And, and always updated. Always on your side, <laughs> Google. <laughs> The the really big news, even though it's Halloween and all I can think of is, is trick-or-treating tomorrow and all the great fun I'm going to have, our house band Grenadier came out with a new album over the weekend. It's called Last of the Light, and you can get a copy and support great indie music by going to CD Baby or to SoundCloud, and boy, I love this album. Listen, I, I, the music that is our intro and, and uh, our exit music mm-hmm. is awesome. It's very, it's reminiscent of, of the, the uh, replacements. Definitely that that garage band sound. Yep. Just a beautiful, beautiful sound. And you know, it just came out with a new album, Steve. Mm-hmm. And I have a copy of it. Yes, you do. So I can jam to it as I drive around Chicago. I area. burned it to a CD so you can put it into your car. Because Jeremy didn't want to make CDs because CDs are so passe. He didn't want to be mired in the past. He just he's going to make a, a card and a QR code so that people can get to the CD Baby or the SoundCloud that's in our show notes and you can get this music. And he's so excited about it. I'm so proud of him. I'm, I, I love this album. Now this is a rock and roll album. Mm-hmm. Like, in, like They play drums and guitars uh-huh. and they have vocals, Steve. And they have like four or five different genres that they're covering. They got a steel guitar one day so there's a steel guitar song in here. 
I love it. I love it. Thank you, Grenadier, our house band. Thank you for all of the music that you provide for the last four and a half years. Thank you for this new album, Last of the Light. Go get it. Go give them money right now. And you can find the, the link to be able to get it right in our show notes. Yep. It's all in there. All of the information that you need. It will only cost you a little bit of money and, and a prank that I need you to do. I don't know, Chip. I think we have enough information to survive another week. What do you think? Only if we can come back next week, and Steve. if we can make it through Halloween. we got a lot of spooky things going on around here for Halloween tomorrow. I hope you have a wonderful Halloween out there. Thank you for joining us. If you need more information, give us a call or a text like Laura did. Our phone number is 805-4104-TMS. Our website is TooMuchScrolling.com. Our email is TooMuchScrolling at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We're on iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. And every day of the week, can go to our news site, news.toomuchscrolling.com. I want to thank you again for listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'm Steve Fodor. And I'm ghoulish Chip Hassenflow. <laughs> we'll see you in the future. Maniacal laugh. Maniacal laugh.